And I wanted to teach people about that. I wanted to teach people about waking up from a self-realization standpoint and also cleaning up, cleaning up all those limiting beliefs that we have about money. Welcome everybody to the strategy show. I'm your host, Simon Severino. Nobody's here. We are here. Today, our guest, at 35, she became a millionaire. At 50, she became a mindful millionaire. As a money coach, she helps right now people move to abundance. Welcome, everybody. Lisa Peterson. Hello there, Simon. I'm so happy to be here with you and your, your listeners and viewers. So cool to have you here because you have brought very relevant stuff. We will deep dive with you how we can save more money, how we can keep more of our income, how we can charge more or find out if we are charging max or not yet, and how we can move beyond the money ceiling. This is super exciting. Yes. <laughs> I, I will be making notes here. <laughs> Great. What are you currently creating? So I'm currently working on a business coaching program. I have been business coaching one-on-one -on -one for six years, and I really wasn't ready to bring it all together and start doing it at a group level, but that's what happened. I, when you publish a book, which just happened for me this past summer, you can only handle so many things at one time. So now it's on to business coaching and doing it at a group in a group level. Can you tell us why did you write the book and how was the process of bringing it into life? Yeah, I wasn't that great of a writer, quite frankly. I had a, co a college professor in my MBA program way back say that I was the worst writer he had ever had in his class before. How bad is that? <laughs> so I had a lot of limiting beliefs about writing and I had to get past a lot of those, but I was so passionate about what I wanted to share. And really the, the whole premise of the book is that most of us have some issues around scarcity mindset that lack based thinking, right? Poverty consciousness. We don't even maybe know it's there until it comes and bites us and hurts us or causes us to self-sabotage in some way that we don't even really understand. And I wanted to teach people about that. I wanted to teach people about waking up from a self-realization standpoint and also cleaning up, cleaning up all those limiting beliefs that we have about money. And that's in the book. I want to have the book. <laughs> yes, it's all in there. It's it's like part little stories of my own journey of being an advisor for, you know, folks who were building wealth or who had already built wealth. And and then all this stuff that I learned as a business coach and, and the challenges people face and like crazy stories that people have had to go through or overcome in order to be able to build wealth for themselves. This is interesting. Yesterday evening, I was researching how to write a book. <laughs> and because I am considering writing my first book soon. And so, but starting, it, it's such an open field and there are so many fears. And exactly what you just said, all the scarcity uh, voices came, but who does need, but can you really write? And uh, uh, who does need another book? And <laughs> etc. Et and so I was, I was researching how other people say that their journey was. And many say, hey, take a writing coach, 
uh, because it's it's a mindset game. Yeah, it's such a mindset game. I also found that I didn't want to just write a book that spoke to the left brain. I wanted a book that spoke to the heart and the mind. And in order to do that, you actually have to write stories. And if you're not a really good storyteller, which takes a lot of practice, a lot of coaching is what I found, then you miss the mark. And so you might have a great story, but you deliver it so poorly that nobody gets the message. And that's a really important skill when you're writing books nowadays, because if you think about it, nobody really wants to just be told more information. They want something that's going to open their hearts. It's going to inspire them. It's going to cause them to think, oh, I could do this. And that's, I feel like that's what I achieved. Absolutely. And so if somebody is not naturally a great writer, what, what would you tell them? How can they learn it? So I found a coach, his name is Tom Bird. I also worked with a lot of writing professionals who had written a lot of books, but Tom is unique in that he teaches a style called accessing the author within. And it's like a divine channeling practice. So you do breath work, you sit in front of the computer or you have your paper and your you know, freehand writing, and you literally let the words come out of you. And it is mind blowing because you you don't even know that this stuff is inside of you. And it's it can involve retreats where you write for days. And then all of a sudden, one of the retreats I did with him, I wrote 30,000 words in like two days. Like could have been a whole book just in two days, but pours out of you. But you just have to develop these skills that are keeping that again, that left brain from controlling things. Because quite frankly, the left brain is really boring. It the is. the right brain is creative. It is. Wonderful. So we don't need just more information. We need transformation, right? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful. So let's go directly into your uh, CEO tip number one, which is how to keep more. Yeah, it's not even how much you make, it's how much you keep. And this is something we have to hear over and over again, because I think out there in the world, there's a lot of peacocking, right? About how much did you, what's your revenue? How much are you earning? And nobody talks about the bottom line number, which is how much are you keeping, right? How much are you actually having left over after all your expenses? And so what I found, you know, consistently, those with the most money are people who take a lot of time and effort to follow the cash flow in their business. They are watching their cash flow on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, not just the stuff that the bookkeeper and the accountant want to know, but what's happening with your cash flow on a daily basis. That's how we start to really be able to keep more money. We also can use things like Profit First, which is a great book that talks right about saving that money, making paying yourself first. But you can't pay yourself first if you don't actually know where the cash is to begin with. This is so important. We recommend Profit First in our acceleration program because it teaches you to see where the profit is. And that's the most important part that <laughs> some people don't, don't know and, and you, you need it to take decisions on. But especially one practice changed everything for me. I had a business coach and he said, hey, tell your bank to send you every day an email with your current uh, your balance. Current balance. And, and I said, oh, yeah, true. Why not? Let's try it. It changed everything. 
That is a brilliant, simple idea. I love it. That's great because it's like one of those quick, easy things that you could do without too much effort, but you're going to open that up. You're going to see what, what's going on. And I love it. It takes two seconds and either, you know, okay, no, nothing to do or, oh, interesting. What's this? And, and then you can follow that instinct or not, but you are aware, you, you bring the awareness to the cash flow. And that's what I love uh, about what you just said. Awareness of the cash flow is everything. And I think if, if you see, if, 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 when I see people around us who are very wealthy, they are because for generations, people were aware of what is going on. It's just an awareness game. I think, too, we're at a disadvantage these days because everything is so centralized and easy and at our fingertips that we can kind of throw out the effort and just say, well, it's all there. I can see it so easily on my computer screen. And then we don't go to the next step. And so we recommend uh, one of the apps in addition to Profit First is YNAB, youneedabudget.com, which is available in the U.S. and Canada but it allows you to track and literally plan out not just your personal finances, but also your business finances. And what I love about your, your method is that you say, how much are you really keeping? Can you go to 50% saving? Yeah. Isn't that fun to think about it? Like, what would it take for me to be able to save 50% of all that I bring in? So if you're paid, you know, by somebody else, it's a little bit easier than figuring it out for yourself. But the cool thing is, is once you really get into your numbers, you all of a sudden have a number of what to shoot for and you can reverse engineer your business so that you are actually keeping 50%. And now I'm actually thinking of one of the big groups of our listeners who are CEOs of small companies. So founders who are now CEO of, of small companies, very small companies. And they sometimes, if you ask them, what's your income? They don't know it because they piggy bank from in different months, different sums, depending on what is there. Uh, I'm interested in your take on it because we say in our accelerator, we say you have to pay yourself a salary, set that number. And that's always the same number. You can change it, but set the first number. And that's your goal in terms of profit and in terms of cost. And it will help you have the awareness there and see the variations. You can always change the number, but you should have one. Yeah, I love that. I mean, right from the beginning, we set my company up in the U.S. as an S-Corp, uh, LLC, and then S-Corp filing. And right away, you're paying yourself some kind of salary. And the accountant, you know, you guys can work together to figure what that number is. But I love it because there's so many things about setting yourself up as a regular business, someone who's getting a salary, who knows what that looks like. And then there's tax advantages of it, too. But I just feel like paying yourself and knowing that you've got that consistent money coming in. I heard a story many years ago, and I feel like your listeners might want to hear it. A woman was building this magazine empire, right? She, she had all of her life savings in that company, and she figured someday I will sell that company and that will be my retirement. 
Well, we can all imagine what happened to a magazine company, right? It didn't work out. She had great years. And then by the time she would have wanted to sell it, there really was no market for it. So don't put all your money in the business. Make sure you're taking money out, putting it into retirement, savings account, other investments, which is a big one that we could talk about a whole other conversation about, because that's another big way that we've made our money is not just from the business, but what are all the places that you're investing in outside of the business? Oh, beautiful. And um, so, yeah, let's talk investing. Uh, but before we go there, your CEO tip number two. Do you know that you are charging enough? You want to make your sales more repeatable and reliable? Do you want to have less volatility and more growth in your revenue per month? At Strategy Sprints, we do only one thing, strategy and sprints. Strategy means having more revenue through a better offer. And sprints means having more energy in your team every week. Check out if your ROI is as high as it is for most service-based and online businesses and startups we work with, which is over 100%. You can see it in just 15 minutes by going to strategysprints.com sales and completing our online exercise to know what your ROI would be with our accelerator program. We are ready to sprint. Are you? Yeah, this is a mindset thing, folks. Like this is all mindset. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why a lot of us like coaches, because all it has to be is like one moment where you're thinking it's going to be this price. And they say, well, why don't you double it? And you sit there and you think, well, why don't I double it? Like, why did I arrive at this number versus that number? And I kid you not. 90% of the time, I think people undercharge for the things that they're creating because it's hard to price our, our products and services. It's actually much better to have somebody who's impartial working with us and figuring out what is the result that's going to happen for someone as a result of this program, right? Participating. And what's the value of that? Many times it's so big. It's so limitless, especially in business coaching. It's like, you don't want to gouge people. That's not what this is about. But you probably could double your price and still have people be very happy and very content with what you are charging, what they're doing. Plus, people work harder when they pay more for things. It's really about them more than it is even about you. Can they do the work that you're inspiring them to do when you pay more? I, I write big checks because I know that I'm going to like, 10 times my investments. That's how I think about things. And I think the people we want to work with also are the same way. And raising your price is, is a profoundly mindset-oriented decision, not just the dollars and cents. Absolutely. I so support that. And if somebody is, let be, let's say, more on the cautious, conservative side, and, uh, and they, they don't, they have this limiting belief so one thing that that we like to do is with every new client, you just raise by 5% until you get to a point where 40% of the people say, okay, it's too much. When you get to 40%, you still have a conversion rate 60%. Well, now you found your price and it's not so risky because 5%, uh, you will found the, ce the ceiling, the numeric ceiling. And um, it's really about limiting beliefs. I love this. Um, talking uh, investments, 
what are your your ideas on how to approach it, how to do it? So I love being able to invest in things that you personally are passionate about, that you know a lot about. For my husband and I, he's a general contractor. He likes building houses. He likes the management of the houses or also commercial buildings, excuse me, <clears throat> commercial buildings are right in the same line. So what we did was we started investing in real estate, uh, residential. And then once we got many years of experience with that, we started dabbling in commercial real estate. And so we kind of expand based on our interests, based on our experience. We also expanded into Airbnb because we found that we could make three times the invest the, the return on our investment in comparison to renting out full time. So that's been another really fun venture. Um, but, but now like our passive investment, more passive real estate investing could cover every bit of our expenses and then some, we can still save money and not do anything else. We work because we enjoy it, not because we have to. And I really like that too. So following your passion, if you don't, if you cannot be, really knowledgeable about something that you're investing in, then find syndicates, find places where you might know the numbers really well. So you can evaluate the deals, but you don't have to get into, in the case of real estate, you don't have to get into fixing up a property because that's not your specialty. Like make a clear assertion of what you're good at and then find the investments that support that. What are your favorite books? And you can include also yours on investing. On investing. Uh, I actually, I recently read a book called Money for the Rest of Us by J. David Stein, and I love it. It's a more advanced for uh, folks who know about investing, but they're looking at improving their mindset around investing. He just takes you, He's he was a money manager for many years, and now he has a community, but I love his his arguments and his ideas because they blew my mind. They were things that I never saw in 30 years of money management. Uh, another book that I wouldn't say is it's investing in the business is the book, The Goal. Uh, and I can't remember the guy's Goldblatt. Oh, I should find it, but it just came to me. Thank you. You know, oh man, that book, you, do you like it? I love it. <laughs> it's investing in your business, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we took from there the main idea of the bottleneck, find the bottleneck and solve the bottleneck. And uh, we have created our whole methodology. This strategy sprint is all about how you how you grow a build a business by solving one bottleneck after the other. Yay. I love it. That's awesome. That's so great. Oh, I love that book. It's inspired a lot of my clients too. And and it's like you said, and it's not one of the boring books that is only just information. It's written like a novel, like, like the best people like Sigmund Freud or other were writing. It's like a novel. You, you go through it as if it, it's just a story, right? Yep. Yeah. And my next book, I started to write a book that was very inspired by the goal. And, and actually that book was helping me and thinking about things that I was writing about. Cause I was just, it's just so great in so many ways. Absolutely. And it's also a life uh, book as, mm -hmm. as I like to think about it, because if you take this concept of simplification, do only one thing, 
the one thing that is right now in the way of growth and that becomes the one thing to do mm-hmm. apply that to your life you are much more calm you have less to do but you have more you have more impact I could just talk to you all day long, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> we'll do a series about this. <laughs> yes. Before we go to move beyond the money ceiling, which I'm excited about, we pass through the segment of our show, which we call the Strategy War. If you could pick only one person when everybody is zigging, they are zagging, but they are doing the right thing. Who is this person? It would have to be Patagonia and Yvonne Chouinard. I think of all the leaders, he's the one I really just gives me chills even thinking about him and his commitment to the environment and to making the world a better place. But not just because he says it, but because he lives it. And also the fact that he has always put the environment first and yet his he's like you know billion dollar company so much success and i'll tell you just with covid everything started coming out and he immediately sends a letter right to all the employees in the company we're stopping you know service right now we want you to be safe and we're going to pay you he didn't know like how that was going to look how long it was going to take but he stood for that truth above all else and i i just love him for it they are a wonderful example of how purpose is more important than everything else, right? Everything, yeah. everything else falls into place then accordingly. And uh, you can you can change strategies, you can you can improve execution, you can repair broken processes if you have a purpose. Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, your CEO tip number three: move beyond the money ceiling. Yeah. So this is fascinating because I think no matter who you are, there will come a moment if you're on a trajectory of saving more money, of making more money, you're going to hit these ceilings along the way. And most of the time they'll be unexpected. It might take you a while to realize that's actually the problem of what's happening, but you've outgrown the ability to continue to receive what you've been receiving. And who knows all the reasons why they get there. I think there's lots of different reasons. The the encouragement I just wanna place to everyone listening is that notice that when things aren't going very well and you've gotten to a ceiling of some sort in your business growth or in your savings, it is a great time to start asking questions. Is there a possibility that I'm bumping up against a ceiling in my belief system? Sometimes it's as simple as my parents never made that much money. They never had that much money. They never saved that. I don't even know anybody who has this much money. Like it can be a lot of different things, but it's the conditioning, meeting some of your limiting beliefs about yourself, worthiness, enoughness, and you're basically going through and asking yourself what's happening. And you you might even need to get help with that. So there is this limiting belief in terms of money because money transports a lot of stories and experiences of our past, our childhood, past generations that brought a specific meaning uh, of money, which, which can be supporting you, but can also be just not helpful and so super interesting and also coming back to our first topic the limiting belief when when we are writing 
and there are these voices coming in and they say that's the word really need another book and from you really from you so that was the, the what i heard yesterday when i said i'm going to write my first book and then immediately oh really another book no no so so i said if i take this seriously if i commit to writing the book i will have to change my morning um i have an audio thing that i tell to myself in the morning what who i am and what is important and what i move forward and so i will need to change some parts there and i'm curious uh, about your perspective because i think i will have to say i am a writer and i am bringing da 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 into the world and it it needs to click because these voices will come back during the day yeah well, when you're running a business and you're, in my case, a mom and a wife, and I have a thriving personal life, making a commitment to write a book involved me getting less sleep and reconfiguring my day and reminding myself about the beliefs that you're talking about. But I also noticed too, I just want to share that that when we're really passionate about something, that we know we have to bring it into reality, I think that changes things and we're willing to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. And even a year ago, I had already sold my book to a big publisher. I was already essentially done with it. I had gotten my first, um, you know, several, the editor takes the book, the first version, um, gives you their comments back. I had just gotten that back. And I sat down with someone who at the time, who ended up writing the forward to my book, Grant Sabatier, his book had sold about 300,000 copies at, and it just come out. And, and we were talking about the book and he said, he said something like in any given moment, somebody, maybe 50 people around the world are, are reading my content. And I just stopped for a second. And I was like, I just knew that the book I had written wasn't actually the best. I hadn't left it all on the table, like I, you know, on the floor, as they say. Like I knew that I actually had to go back and rewrite a whole bunch of it. And I did because I just thought, wait a minute, what if that were to be me someday? I want the best possible thing out there that could help people. And that's when I think we turn into you know, someone who can create at a very different level than the mo than most people. Most people won't do that. It took me all summer. I literally shut down my life for July and August in order to rewrite that book. But the new book that came, my editor was like, I don't know what just happened, but this is amazing. It went from a good book to a great book because of that. So one, one element was visualizing that other people are reading it and that, or that you are that person and say, how do I want? <laughs> it to feel strong <laughs> note to myself visualize somebody reading your book <laughs> yes oh yeah write your book for that one person too like write write it for this one person that you know needs it badly and magic happens because there's lots of people that are like that person absolutely and um what is one thing that you recently changed your mind about so I would say we talked about this in the beginning, but I've been doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I think there was a mindset uh, about you can charge more when you're the only person in the room with someone because you're giving them that personalized advice. And where I changed my mind was I realized that I actually make a bigger impact in people's lives when I've got incredible groups masterminding together as part of the curriculum that I teach. So moving into 
more high ticket group programs was a big shift for me. And when it happened, it was like instantaneous, super exciting. And now I'm living it. I've got 10 people in a program that just got created. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. I can resonate with that. Today, I, I booked a, a, a sports coach with me, a training, a personal trainer. And he said, Simon, do you want uh, single work or group work? And I, and I had a very clear picture. I said, we start single. We do five single um, sessions and you create my training plan. But then I want a group because the group keeps me accountable and pushes me. And, uh, and, and there are two different energies and I need the more precise energy at the beginning, but I need then this social, more light energy and more dynamic energy to keep, to keep with it, not, not to be bored, but to be challenged. And, and so there is, there is a lot about this flow that uh, maybe something starts with you, but then it can it can expand and be challenged and be um, contained and supported by by a group of people who become. I love that. It's it's great. Like I I'm total light bulbs moments as you're sharing that. That's really fabulous. I think it it was in Buddhism where they said, okay, what 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 do you need? You need Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Yeah. So Buddha, everybody is Buddha. So you you are right now you just maybe you forgot but you are you have everything and then there is uh dharma you need the knowledge so that's the teaching okay buddha will tell stories buddha will write books that's the teaching the, mm -hmm. the knowledge of the teacher of the teacher but the third element is the sangha now you need other scholars who are on their path who, but their path is near to your path and then you sit beside and you talk a little bit and you see how they are doing. They see how you are doing. And this is also the third element. That is really good. <laughs> old, old concept. Nothing I invented is an old concept. But well, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it, works. it works, right? All right. You have to come back. We, we could talk for hours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, uh, next time we can go even deeper into everything that you have into your book and into the details of money making. So people who are listening right now, tell us what are the topics inside of this bucket that we uh, opened today? What are the topics where you want a deep dive? And we will come back and we'll do, we will do that for you because it's fun. That's yeah. What well, I think this this idea of cleaning up is something that was really fun. Like, mm -hmm. what do we need to clean up inside of ourselves so that we can be our optimal, you know, person that we want to be, both in business as well as in our personal lives? I think that's a really fun deep dive topic that I have a feeling we could really have some fun with. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and uh, Lisa, who should be my next guest? So this is really fun. I love this question. I got a very clear like download that it was Sarah Santa Croce. And she's a LinkedIn specialist who's also focusing now on a book. Actually, this is kind of fun too, about the seven P's of marketing, but doing it in a really holistic way. So long time entrepreneur, just but really diving into these things that we're talking about today, I think. Super strong. 
And where can people stick around and find you? So there's two places, wealthclinic.com, all one word. That's my main website. And then if you're interested in learning more about the book, The Mindful Millionaire, you just go to Mindful Millionaire Book and you'll see a trailer that we created in Hawaii last Christmas, thank goodness, before the pandemic. And, uh, and you'll learn more about what I'm up to. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Liza, for being here. And thank you. come back soon. We all know that working in sprints is better, but how do we know what we should work on? You're in luck because we have a 15-minute exercise that will give you complete clarity on where to take your project next. Go to strategysprints.com sales to complete our short exercise and meet one-on-one -on -one with an expert sprint coach to identify your number one bottleneck. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Strategy Show. Make sure to like this video below and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with every episode of The Strategy Show. Get daily CEO tips from CEOs for CEOs.